0: Thank you. Oh my goodness. Thank you, my friend. Hey, I need you to pray for me. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm all messed up. Yeah, I really do. Come on. I don't have the mic. Just talk near speak. mine.
1: I'm talk right here. That's good. All right. You ready? <laughs> yeah. Father, God, can you guys just put your hands out, reach your hands out to him right now?
2: I think you messed up in a good way.
1: (laughs) Lord, Father,
2: we just thank you for this
1: brother. Lord, as we reach out our hands as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, we thank you for your anointing on this man. Lord, we thank you for what you have to release through him this evening. Holy Spirit, come. Do what you want to do in and through him father ignite his heart with the things in your heart i thank you for a release right now i thank you for your presence right now i thank you for a strength right now your strength in our weakness lord i thank you for what's about to be released in the name of jesus and everyone said amen amen, amen.
0: Thanks, man. You. thank you thank you, thank you. Hmm. All right, I'm really, really messed up. I love Jesus with all my heart. I was back there just laying on the floor, just worshiping, and then I went to get up and it wasn't good and I laid back down again. just love Him. I just want to honor Him with everything I am. I just want to make sure that that I can give Him everything (laughs) all the time. You know, gosh, it's so crazy, all I do is love Jesus. I mean, I don't have like a, I don't have another motive. (laughs) I don't even like read my Bible to teach people. (laughs) I just read it. find out who I am, it's crazy. I, 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 I don't even know how to explain it other than I'm just in love, like all the time. I've woke up in love for 13 years. I, I've went to sleep in love for 13 years. I, I don't know what it's like to not be in love with Jesus. We, I think we've complicated it and made it about other things, when really it's just about knowing Him. And, I mean what good would it be for you to move in gifts and all authority and not know Him? Amen. What good would it be for people to know your name and not know His? Amen. What, what good would it be for buildings and overflow rooms to be filled and you just bring you and not Him? Yes, sir. What good would it be for, for someone to stand at a pulpit and preach a good message and then really not love people? I told you I messed up. I'm, I just love Jesus. I, I just want everybody to love him. I want everybody to love him full time. I, I know there's no part time. Christianity is. There, it shouldn't be. There shouldn't be part time. It should just be love Jesus with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And then it should be to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you don't. If you don't know the love of God, you can't love you. Which really stops you from loving your neighbor. Your neighbor will hurt you.
2: I've lived without hurt. I've lived without offense. It's been 13 years. People tell me you can't live that way. They
0: told me that like my first year. They said you can't just say that. You're going to be hurt. And it's so, it's so scary that we teach people that they're going to be hurt. It's scary that we teach people that they're going to fail. When, when the Bible says that love never fails. We teach people that you're always going to stumble when the Bible says that God can keep you from stumbling. We, we teach people things that the Bible doesn't teach and it's not in there. This isn't like some kind of psychological thing. This is supernatural. You can't know the love of God unless you believe the finished
2: work. You, 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 this is, this is really simple. Jesus paid it all, all to him
0: I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain and he washed it white
2: as snow. Like, sin was the issue and then he came and set me free. That doesn't mean that I never, like, that I never, like, miss it. That just means that I don't want to miss it ever. And the closer I get to him, the less I want to miss it ever.
0: I hope I can get through this because I don't even know where I'm going. <laughs> I can't even explain it to you except um,
2: I'm trying to explain the same thing a million different ways. And every time I look through th- at the Bible, every time, the Bible the first book that I've ever been able to understand in my whole life, ever. I never read a book before, ever. My brain was fried, 22 years of addiction and 22 years of torment. Fear. I woke up in fear my whole life. I was afraid every day. All fear, the, the root of fear is the fear of death. All of it. And Jesus crushed it. But if we don't see what has been finished, we'll fear, and you can't afford to fear. You can't afford to be in fear. It, it, it's torment. That just means that we haven't been perfected in love, because perfect love of God, the perfect love of God. There is nothing more perfect. God doesn't tolerate you. He loves you. He doesn't just tolerate you and waiting for you to mess up. He loves you. And if we don't see it, we're going to miss it, man. Jesus paid it all. Like, He paid it all. He did everything. What if I don't see what He did? I mean, it really boils down to that. It's the cross. I mean, Paul, he knew everything. He was brilliant. He, he, he memorized the Torah. These Pharisees. like. Incredibly educated. And Paul was the top of the breed. Saul who who was changed, his name was changed to Paul. Are you with me? This guy was the brilliant of brilliant, most amazing, most educated, trained under Gamaliel. He, He was top breed, Pharisee. Tribe of Benjamin. He talks about the list of all these different things. I mean memorized. Not just like learned, but memorized. These Pharisees memorized the... The five the first five the Torah, they memorized them all. They memorized Leviticus. (laughs) Have you ever read it? They memorized it. That is not a great day. They rejoiced in it. They loved the law. They they loved it. And and these guys, they knew it. They were brilliant. They were They were top breed, and Paul was top. And then after he had an encounter with Jesus, when when he got knocked off his donkey, after he had this encounter with him, I mean, he didn't just go on the road preaching right away. I mean, when Paul had this encounter with him, he like, he was blind for a couple of days. And then Ananias, you know, he, he comes to see him. He's freaked out. He's like, Lord, this guy's come to kill us, and God says, I will show him how much he must Suffer for my namesake. Jesus tells Ananias this. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's in the Bible. I'm just sharing it. He says he's going to suffer for this. It's prophesied what's going to happen. He's going to suffer. Prophesied. So Ananias is told by Jesus, go, because he's my chosen instrument. And he goes to the house, and Saul has this same vision that this guy's coming. And, and he, he restores him, and his scales fall from his eyes. And this guy is like, boom. I mean, he's zealous to kill Christians. He's on the road to kill Christianity. He wants to stomp out the way. They called it the way. It's <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> if, I, I'm promising you, if we see this, it'll set your whole life ablaze. You will never have fear again, ever. I have lived without fear for 13 years. I have lived without guilt, shame. Condemnation and regret. You can't give it to me. We've taught people that you're always going to have some of that stuff, that it's healthy. No, it's not healthy to have guilt, to have shame, and to have condemnation. It's demonic. It's not healthy to have those things. It's healthy to have conviction, because conviction is amazing. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, He said when He comes. When He comes, He's going to convict the world of three things. Of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Those are the three things the Holy Spirit is coming to to convict the world of. Of sin, because they don't believe in Me, Jesus said. Of righteousness, because I'm going to go to be with the Father. And of judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. It's so powerful we're like, well, that's cool. That's just a good scripture. No, it's your life. It's your life. Because when you come to Jesus, when someone surrenders to Jesus and says, yes, they realize, oh my gosh, my life is twisted. I need a savior. And and all of a sudden they come to him. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary, all of you who are burdened down and weighed down by life, come to me and I will give you rest. And so people come and they're like, wow, that was amazing. But that's not where it stops. But unfortunately, that's where it stops for lots of Christians, because they come to Jesus, they get the no more shackles, no more chains, and it lasts for the rest of the service. And then they go home. And not everybody around you is saved. Not everybody around you is born again. Not everybody around you understands. And so what happens is we start to get cultivated by the world again. And we start to nurture a carnal nature that's supposed to be dead again and instead of growing in the reality of who god's called us to be we grow in the things of the world and we become lovers of the world and not lovers of god and we incorporate jesus in instead of surrender completely therein lies the issue of christianity because there's no issue on god's end he has given you everything according to life and godliness God has poured out everything. Everything is on Calvary. Everything is in Jesus. Everything is in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Kingdom of God. The Kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit encompasses the Kingdom. Jesus said, Repent, for the Kingdom is at hand. Repent. Change the way you think. I brought my world with me. It's in the Kingdom. But if you don't change the way you see things, you'll think that what you see in the natural is superior to the world that I brought me, and it's the supernatural, and you can't see it with your visible eyes, so you have to change the way you see. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you have to change the way you see. That's why Jeremiah 24 says, in that day I'll give them a new heart. I will take out their heart of stone, and I will put in there a heart of flesh that's what he said I'll take out that stony heart he says this is the covenant that I will make with them in that day I love it we're in that day where 2,000 years ago that day happened where Jesus pays this price and he fulfills all righteousness he fulfills it but we were not able to grasp it until the Holy Spirit was coming Jesus fulfilled righteousness he comes down to the River Jordan and he's coming down to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is down there. He's this wild man with camel's hair, wearing it, and locusts, and honey, and mm. And he has this one message that Jesus said to the disciples, this is what you're to preach. He said, go and preach repentance. We're like, well, no, 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 we already repented when we got born again. No. Repentance is a lifestyle. People teach, no, 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 once you do, if you repent again, you just don't believe. No, that's wrong. If something's not okay, and, you've, and it's been in your life, you can repent and get free from that thing. Amen. But when you don't repent, you're still facing the wrong way. Amen. This stirs up so much controversy in the church, and a lot of the controversy is just demonic. And if you don't stir up controversy, if you don't do it, you might just be going the same way the devil is. oh it's really good it really is good do you know that you're supposed to be in this world but not of it do you know that you're supposed to be in this world you're a pilgrim you're passing through you're a sojourner you're not of this world you're not of this world but if you partake and still are doing everything that the world's doing you are of this world and you can't be of God that's a scary thing it's not legalism it's love Take it up with Jesus. He said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. If you don't love me, then you won't. Amen. Well, I don't believe that. Well, you're in big trouble when you stand before the king, bro. <laughs> you, think, you think that he's going to be, well, I understood that you didn't understand. No, no, no. That's not. God loves you, and He's given you a heart to understand. John the Baptist is baptizing, and Jesus comes down to that river. And he comes to John, and John knows that this is the one. Oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. No way. Like my whole life has been groomed for this moment. Like John was only on the earth. Like even in the womb, he flipped out when Jesus came into the room, in the other womb. Are you with me? When Elizabeth came in the room, John's in Elizabeth's belly, and Mary has Jesus. And when Jesus came into the room. In Mary's womb, Elizabeth's baby, John, was like, that's why I'm here. For real. The only reason he was on the planet was in Mary's belly. Now we're later in life, and John the Baptist is out in the wilderness, and he's like, he ain't playing, man. The Bible says that he's the greatest of all Old Testament saints. He's the high watermark of the whole Old Testament. That's what it says. And John the Baptist didn't do like crazy. He didn't call down fire like Elijah. He didn't like, this is crazy. John the Baptist. He's the high watermark. And then Jesus is like, you know what? Did you go out in the wilderness to see this or see that? No, I tell you what, a prophet, and more than a prophet. Uh, but I tell you this. He who is least in the kingdom, not above the earth, but who is born again. He who is least in the kingdom is greater than this. Because John couldn't have the one thing that Jesus was going to give. Are you with me? Yes. You will be. We'll get there. You guys okay? Yes. Man. I just love him. <laughs> I just love Jesus. If we see who he is, you'll become what he said. If you see what he's done, you'll walk like he says. It's not performance. It's not legalism. People have gotten it so messed up. We've tried to put yokes around people that they, that they, can't, they can't handle. Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. Why do you think the spirit that God's given us is called holy? Because He's holy, He's, He's holy. And He's not just like a spirit, He's God, the Holy Spirit. He's he's God. It's so crazy. What an opportunity. People say, "I'm, I'm not worthy. Well, you're right, in your own self there's no way. But Jesus paid a high price for you, that, that right there determines your value. What Jesus did on that tree determines your value. That's who you are. What Jesus did on that tree, what heaven believed about you, the price that heaven paid determines the value of your life to the Father. The price that heaven paid. He sowed His Son so that we could reap what He sowed. Instead of you reaping what you sow, you reap what you sow. You reap what Jesus sowed. Oh, this is crazy. John's down there in the water, he's baptizing people. What do the Pharisees when these Pharisees come up, and they're questioning John, like John doesn't say, I'm sorry, jeez, you, uh, I don't really know what to say, I didn't know you guys were coming. Okay, I'm done. John didn't say that at all. He said, you brood of vipers. And that's not for you and I to rebuke religious people. He said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? He said, there's coming wrath, who warned you to flee from it? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. The ax is laid at the root of the tree. This is crazy, like crazy stuff. These Pharisees, that wasn't pleasing to them. It wasn't at all. It was crazy. So, so Jesus comes down to the water, I can just see John, Repent! (laughs) Did you see the Bible, did you see the Bible like on TV when it came? John had dreads, did you see it? (laughs) so funny, so cool, (laughs) it's serious, if you see it you will, (laughs) they weren't real but still he had them. Jesus comes down to the river, and John knows who's in front of him, and he said, Jesus says, John, I need you to baptize me. And John goes, you come to me, but I I need your baptism. But Jesus couldn't baptize John with his baptism, because the baptism that Jesus was going to give wasn't until after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, and when Jesus sat at the right hand of God, and the promise was poured out. That's what John was referring to. But John couldn't have that baptism, so Jesus said, no, 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 I need you to baptize me. It's so powerful. Jesus said, because righteousness must be fulfilled. In the Old Testament, the only way to get righteousness was that you had to do to be. You had to do all of these different laws, 613 laws, 10 commandments. You had everything. You had to walk holy. You had to be perfect. There was no possible way for you to, if you missed one law, James 2.10 even just reinstates, or or just confirms the law, and just refers to Scripture and says, if you miss one law, you've missed them all. If you transgress one, you've transgressed all of them. So it's impossible. This like, this Jesus, it's amazing because self-righteousness was the one thing that, that was despised the most by our King. Self-righteousness promotes hypocrisy. Here's what else self-righteousness does. Self-righteousness hears a testimony like mine that says, you know, he was a drug addict for 22 years, and, and he's got like, uh, you know, all that bad stuff, and an atheist, and he was extradited across the U.S. twice, and kicked out of the military, and, and man, is, you're lucky. I wish I was a drug addict. You have an amazing testimony. Uh, you have no idea how many people I hear say that. And they say, you're lucky I grew up in church. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what they say? People say, Todd, you know what? The reason why you love so much is because how much you've been forgiven. I mean, look at your life. You have been forgiven so much, so that's why you love much. And I was, I struggled with it because what do you say? Like, I mean, I really was forgiven. Like, it was crazy. Like when I got saved, this was ridiculous, 22 years of addiction. Atheism, anger, threatened to kill my girlfriend for, where is she? Where is my wife? Where are you? Hey. I threatened to kill that lady. I did. We were atheists. Threatened to kill her for seven years. Kill myself. Take my life. Daughter. Seven and a half year old daughter. I mean horrible, horrible, horrible life. Raised by the Masons for the first years from 11 to 17 of my life. Joined the Marines, ran away from the military. I mean, I've been shipped across America twice, extradited. My whole life was twisted and whacked and just wrong. And then I get shot at one night, but before I got shot at, I lived as a hypocrite for five and a half months. I incorporated Jesus into my life, and I didn't surrender. There's a big problem here, because when you only incorporate and don't fully surrender your life. You're a target for the devil. God says, I wish that you were either hot or cold. It's crazy. Like, hot or cold. You know, hot isn't just because you can worship loud. Hot hot isn't just because you can worship when you get to church and it's an awesome service. Hot isn't just because you went to youth group and and you love Jesus there. Hot isn't just because you can walk in gifts. Wow. I love the gifts of God, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Hot is burning with the fervency of God, with the burning love and passion of God, to where the fear of the Lord comes, captivates your heart, and you hate evil. You despise evil, because God loves people, but He hates evil. He doesn't tolerate evil. It's not okay. I'm saying that with a smile. It's really not okay. So my life was so out of whack, so whacked out. My life was totally twisted. But if even if you lived a great life and only lied one time, your whole life's a wash. See if you just missed one law, maybe you didn't steal from people. You know, the Bible doesn't say like it doesn't say that you're a murderer when you cut someone's throat the Bible says Jesus says you're a murderer if you hate somebody murder is not cool murder is not okay hate is not okay they're going to get what they deserve one day well if you want what you deserve go to hell It's the truth of who Jesus is. There are so many people that are so hurt and so offended. Lots of people, like, they're offended. They're hurt by church. They're, they're offended by leaders. They're offended by by pastors. They, they just, they don't understand. They, they, they weren't accepted by people. They didn't get a position on the, alt, on the altar. They didn't get a position at the guitar. They didn't get a position at the pulpit. So they're upset. So they go to another church and they're, well, let's see if they love here. And let's see if... Let's see, but you're not looking for love, you're, f- you're looking to find fault. So what happens is people go from house to house, from church to church, and they're looking for love. They're looking for love. They're looking to be loved. You're not supposed to go look for love. You're supposed to become love and plug in somewhere. No, love is amazing, but love isn't like we think. Love isn't, you appreciate me and then I'm loved. That's not love. If that's the truth, then Jesus would have been the biggest basket case that ever walked the earth. He came to his own, and they knew him not. They praised and said, Hosanna. Whoa! Hosanna in the highest. They laid down palm branches, and a couple days later, kill him. Jesus, of all, had the most right to be offended out of all of us. He wasn't a doormat. He was the door. He wasn't just a mat for us to walk on. He was the door. Men and you were the object of his desire. You were what he came for. You were the joy set before him. He pursued the cross so he could have all of you, not some of you. He didn't pay a price for you to incorporate him. We sing that song. I surrender all, all to Jesus. Precious Savior, I surrender all. Yet we don't. People teach that you have this, you got this carnal nature, and you got this divine nature, and like they war against each other, and we focus so much on this war that we forget the finished work. And we act like we're bipolar Christians. We do. We we act like, well, you know, you're always going to miss it. I mean, come on. Let's face it. Why would you wake up thinking that you're going to miss it when Jesus made it? You guys okay? This is weird because people are like, oh, this is blasphemy. No. It's the Bible. Jesus has called us to be perfect. Be perfect. He didn't say do perfect. He said be. He said be holy. Peter, I love it, because Peter, like of all the disciples, Do you know how many people I hear that are like, hey, I can really relate to Peter, man. Well, which one? Which Peter do you relate to? Before he got born again or after? Which Peter do you relate to? The one before he got saved or after he got saved? There's a different, you're talking about two different people. You read 1 Peter, it has nothing to do with Peter in the, Peter in the Gospels. Oh my gosh. You have this, oh, it's crazy. You have this amazing man of God that's been transformed by the love of God. Jesus is like, do you love me? You you know I love you, Lord. Jesus asked him again, do you love me? You know I do, Lord. Peter, do you love me? And we say it's three times for its restoration, but full restoration for Peter didn't come until the baptism came, until the Holy Spirit came down and changed Peter into a different man. Because that day, Peter went and he preached the gospel to 3,000 people. He preached to a bunch, but 3,000 said yes without a microphone. The boldness of speech that came from Peter came from the reality of his right standing. The gospel is clear. It says, I'm unashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation for them that believe. It says, first for the Jew, and then for the Greek. For in it, for in it, in what? In the gospel. What is in the gospel? The power of it. It says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed, for it is written. The just shall live by faith. We're supposed to grow from faith to faith and from glory to glory. And it's all according to all scripture is God breathed and is used for training in righteousness. You are to reign as a king in this life through the free gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace. The abundance of grace that enables you to walk out what righteousness calls you to. Like, you are right with God. And if you seek this, You won't want to sin against God ever again. It will convict you so much, righteousness actually trains our senses to discern between both good and evil. It says that, it says that strong meat is for the mature who have their senses trained. Our senses, like our perception, like we know what is good and what is evil. So righteousness trains our senses to discern between both good and evil so powerful that's not legalism that's relationship so now i am right with god i have relationship with god and he teaches me because all scripture is god breathed used for edification it's used for rebuke for rebuke for correction for training in righteousness it's it's for admonishment but it's all scripture is training in righteousness and god requires us to bear the fruit of righteousness how can we bear the fruit of righteousness if we don't even know what it means the Bible says this. It says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. But we've hungered and thirsted for a lot of different things. So, you know, we've hungered and thirsted for gifts more than we have for being right with God. And you can move in gifts just like the disciples would when they weren't even born again. The disciples were not saved when they went around and people were being healed before Jesus was crucified. Jesus gave them authority. I mean, he, I love it. He's, he knew Judas was going to betray him. He knew Judas was going to steal. He's like, here's power. He gives James and John, the sons of thunder, power. These guys are going around, they're like, yeah, come out. They go to a town, they're like, Jesus is coming. They're like, we don't want him here. Oh, you wait. They go back to Jesus, and they're like, you know what? They said no. What do you say? What do you say we smoke them? <laughs> I'm so serious. They said, let us call down fire like Elijah did. We'll burn the whole town up. We'll kill everybody. That's what they said. Jesus like, guys, you don't know what spirit you're of. I didn't come into the world. To condemn it, to hurt it. I came to the world so that it might be saved. But what has saved me? You know what the gospel does is it sets you free from you. Oh. You're your biggest enemy. Why well, not? That's what God says, but no buts. All buts and what ifs are devils. <laughs> okay. I'll give Jesus, help me. My heart's trembling.
0: I love having fun. The Holy Spirit just snapped me. <laughs> Inside. Sheesh. Okay. Ready? Okay. All right. Let's, let's see. Oh, my. Oh, here we go. Thanks, Jesus. Okay. Uh.
2: Mm. What does it mean for you to be born again? I mean, it's it's crazy. It means that I get a brand new dad. But what if we're born again and we don't know our dad? There's a lot of talk about intimacy, there's a lot of talk about identity, and I hear it all the time, but where, where is your life, like where do your thoughts, where do your thoughts go to, where is your mind thinking, like daily, like do you, do you come home from work and do you need to sit in front of the, a TV to watch your favorite shows in order to wind down?
0: Because if you do, I don't even care if it's Christian TV. <laughs> you might not be where you need to be in your relationship with Jesus. You guys okay? I'm, this isn't a condemning word. This is amazing. Let me, let me read here. Okay.
2: Oh my. Romans 8. We'll get happy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Yay.
0: Let me read this first before I read Jude. (laughs) (laughs) Did
2: you ever read Jude? It's one page. Wow. Okay. (laughs) This is right after Romans 7. And, and Romans 7, like, I've heard so many people just so be bound in this, in this place of, and, and I've had lots of people rebuke me <coughs> in this, in this section of
0: Romans 7 where people are, they're, you know, they, they teach that, you know, Paul missed it, we're
2: all going to miss it. Hey, chill out. What do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Perfect. Like, I hear that like crazy. Thing. See, this is when I lose people. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <coughs> He starts out Romans 7 and he says, I speak to those that know the law. And he's talking about, he's talking to people that know the law and they're trying to keep the law in their own strength. It's impossible. You, You can't. Like, you cannot. You can't. No flesh will be justified in the eyes of the Father. But when you get born again, your flesh isn't the same as it was before. You actually become flesh of His flesh and bone of His bone. <clears throat> When's the last time your, your, your hand told your brain that it was going to sin? <laughs> Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Did He mean cut your hand off? I met somebody that actually plucked out their eye. He plucked it out because he couldn't stop with pornography. He plucked his own eye out. Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. When is the last time your eye told your brain what it was going to do? Your brain has to preconceive and meditate on a thought in order to sin. When is the last time your hand said, I'm going to steal this, and your brain said, no you're not, and your hand did it anyway? It's not possible. Your mind has to premeditate what your hand's going to do. You have these things that bombard you all the time. You have thoughts that constantly bombard you. Sometimes we think they're inside thoughts, not realizing that they're outside thoughts trying to get back in. But what if you don't set up truth in your soul as an anchor, Jesus as the anchor of your soul. You'll think that you are these thoughts when these thoughts aren't yours. Just the very fact that they convict your heart means that it's not you. We have to get this. This is like crazy. Are you with me? A little? Kind of? Maybe. Yay. Roman, Romans 7 is saying, even though I don't want to do those things, I do it. Because under the law, there was no possible way for you to be free from it. But Jesus paid a price that righteousness, apart from the law, was going to be imputed to you. What does that mean? That means that no longer will you have to perform 613 laws and 10 commandments in order to be right with God. Jesus paid a price because the sacrifice that Jesus made was perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He was the lamb that was slain. He was the perfect sacrifice. The devil thought that he won. I mean, why else? This this is crazy. Jesus is on the earth. I mean, the devil just comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He, Jesus, nothing happened in Jesus' life, miraculous, regardless of what movie you've seen. No miracles happened in Jesus' life until the Holy Spirit came upon him. None. There are movies out there right now. Someone actually asked me to go and preview a movie. They they said, we want you to preview this movie and, and we'd like to know. You know what you think about it. I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting in this, like, small theater with a bunch of people, and the movie comes on, and Jesus, the first thing He did was raise a dead bird as a kid. I'm sitting there going, oh, my God. Because I, I know the truth. I study the Word. I, I, I don't study to preach myself approved. I study to show myself approved. Study to display the approval of God. so good. Rightly divide the Word of Truth. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said, they will know the truth. They will experience my truth. They will walk out that truth, and that truth will set them free. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what God's will is. It's going to be fun. It's going to be amazing. You'll be able to know what God's will is in every situation, church. Every one of us are required by God to know his will. Don't be unwise, but know the will of the Lord. All of this is scripture. It's so powerful. God set it up that we have been given a different mind. But if we don't know what mind we have, we'll think with a mind that's not renewed. We have a spirit when we get born again, the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. Like, our spirit's eternal. Like, when when we're born, we have an eternal spirit when we're born. It's just headed the wrong direction. We're born in sin, and then when we get born again, our spirit becomes a whole new world. But if we don't know what that world is, we become hooked up to God. One spirit with him. One spirit with him, where the Holy Spirit and my spirit just, whoo, they hook up and they link together. So powerful. But if I don't know that link, if I don't know that what it's called is communion. We read the Bible and we don't understand, so we go to somebody to help us understand. But God doesn't want you to just go to somebody to understand. He wants you to go to Him. Your pastor's not created to make you be saved and stay saved. Back to that hurt thing. People get offended and they get hurt. And they get hurt by church and then they go and they leave and they go to another one. And they get hurt there and then they go to another one and then they finally give up on church and have their own thing Uh, against the church and then all of a sudden people join your group and they're hurt by people too so you have a lot to talk about but it's not healthy those kind aren't healthy it's not if you got hurt by somebody in the church it's probably because they didn't know who they were when it happened When they did that to you, they didn't know who they were when they did it. And if you got hurt by it, you didn't know who you were when it came. So either way, neither of them are justified. No. You have to know who you are and never let sin against you produce sin within you. You have to be strong in the power of His might, not strong in the power of your might. We have done, we stand, and having done all, stand, but we're not supposed to stand in our own strength. In the New Testament, we love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and then love our neighbor as ourself. In the Old Testament, you love him with your strength too, but in the New Testament, he takes strength away, because you're supposed to love him within your weakness, because in your weakness, he's strong, but you have to be humble and admit that you can't do this thing without him. It's a full-on surrender, man. It's full on. It's everything. It's all or none. It's I surrender all. Anything else becomes a target for the devil, and he will pound you from every direction. I mean, it's it's not like when someone says, yes, Jesus, the devil goes, darn. Mm, Let's find someone else. (laughs) I mean, in Galatians 4.19, Paul says, I labor as in childbirth until Christ be formed in you, there is the forming of Christ in you, there is the growing up, there is being. St- we've we've focused so much on being healed and being healed in our inner man that we've forgotten that the Bible says, Be strengthened in your inner man. And we've gone after things that have been finished, we focus on things that God has dealt with through the blood, and we've taken people into these areas to try to get them free. But man, freedom comes when you know who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. Man, it's a lot easier to believe that Jesus paid it all. It's a lot easier to believe that on that cross, on that tree, he who knew no sin became sin so that I might become the righteousness of God that's in Christ Jesus. I mean, the devil played into the hand of God big time. He thought by killing Jesus. He'd get rid of him what he didn't see. He didn't understand the scripture. The devil didn't know it. Because, man, the demonic realm was all around. They were watching what Jesus was doing. They were seeing what was happening. No one on earth, the blind, here, the deaf. I mean, come on. He came to the multitudes and healed them all. That really made the devil mad. I promise you. Because all sickness and all disease comes from hell. It says that Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. So all oppression came from the devil so jesus came to crush all oppression and that's what he was doing and man the devil was really mad but he couldn't do anything about it and then finally at the end of jesus's three and a half year life in the spirit like i mean i'm talking baptized in the holy spirit living a life a living flame fire crazy nutso stuff the devil was like we got to get him somehow how can we get him and then the devil saw this opportunity in the garden. He saw he saw Jesus crying out, "Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass." The devil's like, "Ooh, look, weakness. He's over. He's done. He's mine." And the devil thought, "It's over. It's over." He thought, "Man, I got it now. I got it now. It's over." He never saw Jesus. He never saw the scripture when Jesus said, "Unless a seed dies." it remains alone he never saw it he never saw it coming because all he knows how to do is steal kill and destroy he thought if i kill him he's out of the way he's done we can finally rid the planet of this guy that heals everyone that casts out demons that the demons know who jesus is jesus was come on the scene what have we to do with you jesus is like shut your mouth like the guy at the gatherings who's Demons were possessed by demons. Two thousand de- I'm talking demonic. Everybody's afraid of him. They fear him. This guy. Jesus comes on the scene. Oh no. The guy comes up, what have we to do with you? Man it's awesome. Jesus like, what's your name? People have made books on trying to name every demon. Why would you even ask them their names? They're liars, man. I don't understand all this stuff. Where do you come up with this stuff? (laughs) The lights came on. Come on. They're like, let us go into the pigs. Get out. And the pigs run down. This dude is completely set free. I mean completely set free the townspeople come out they're like get out of here you ruined everything you took our pigs get out of here we don't want you Jesus didn't say no you have to have me he laughed and this guy's like I'm coming with you bro Jesus says no you're not go and go and tell everybody how God had mercy on you This guy goes back and talks about the mercy, and everybody came to see Jesus when he came back around. He made him the number one evangelist to all the city area. (laughs) The guy was clothed and in his right mind. I mean, he's, Jesus is fascinating. So the devil's really mad. He sees him in the garden. Weakness. Jesus is weak. He sees it. He's thinking, yeah, now we got him. Come on. All the demonic realm. I want all of you guys all focused on him. Let's go. Let's take him out come on jesus allows his beard to be ripped out he didn't say no he allowed it to happen he laid his life down no one took it from him he laid it all down what a powerful king we serve, man and he wasn't a doormat no he was making a way for you and i he was making a way for me and you you and i for us man jesus is whooped he is marred beyond any man he is whooped his flesh is ripped apart you cannot even recognize him it says that he's marred beyond any man which means that on the cross the passion did a great job the movie but he was still recognizable the bible says that he was unrecognizable why we say because it's by his stripes we're healed you know that's part of it but that's not all of it do you understand that he was marred beyond any man and he was unrecognizable because we were born and made in the image of God we took on the very nature of God's enemy in the garden the spirit of fear had completely overtaken man sin and corruption and the wages of sin is death had overtaken man and we become a race of people that were unrecognizable And so Jesus on that tree became unrecognizable so that you and I could become recognizable again to the father. It's so powerful. He restored our identity completely. So amazing. The devil thought, yeah, we kill him. We win. We kill him. We win. Oh no. See, you kill him and see, you don't know there's going to be a resurrection. See, kill him just go ahead it didn't like God wasn't saying I can't believe look at my son how why are they doing this to him the Bible says it pleased the father it pleased the father to bruise the son that sounds like a mean dad it's not a mean dad the price had to be paid God established covenant between him and people 613 laws 10 commandments if you obey all of them it will be given to you righteousness can I read you something that you're not because Jesus on that tree do you know what he did he became the curse do you understand cursed is any man that hangeth on a tree are you with me do you remember the Israelites when they were when they were out there in the wilderness and they were doing things that were not so okay and one day these vipers Come out and wipe out like twenty-three thousand of them in one day. Are you with me? No, no, no. Okay. So they're they're living an immoral. They're doing immoral things. They're doing stuff that's not becoming of who God is. They're they're grumblers. They're complainers. They're it's not good. And they're out there in the wilderness. and And vipers were sent out, and it says that twenty-three thousand of them died in one day. And Moses. He went to God and he's like, God, we, 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 we have to do something. We, we repent. Lord, help, help. Everybody's dying. We got to, we got to do something. And so God tells Moses, he says, I want you to take a serpent. I want you to take a bronze serpent and I want you to tack it on a tree. I want you to put it up on a pole and everybody that looks at that serpent will be healed. It's so crazy. See, the Hebrews knew that anything that hung on a cross, anything that hung on a tree was cursed by God cursed by God. So when then they saw the cross, when they saw the tree and they saw the serpent, the people that were dying because they got bit by vipers, as soon as they thought they saw it, the Hebrews knew covenant with God. Cursed is anything that hangs on a tree. So if it was cursed by God, it couldn't hurt them anymore. If we don't see the cross, If we don't see what Jesus did, it says, just as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. If we don't see the finished work in what Jesus did on that tree, sin will still kill us and eat our lunch. But when you see that sin was cursed on the tree, that God cursed sin in the flesh. See here's my issue. I have lived for 13 years, sun conscious. And I've lived for 13 years' absence of sin consciousness. Why is this such a hard word? Jesus paid a price for us to not wake up sinners once you're saved. Jesus paid a price for us to wake up sons with the spirit of adoption inside of our hearts that cries out, Abba Father, Daddy God. Hebrews talks about the blood of Jesus, and it talks about the, the way into the Holy of Holies. You've got, you've got these, these high priests. They would go in and they would offer the blood of bulls and goats. I need you to hear this. This is really important. Okay, so if you don't have to leave, don't leave. But if you leave, I hope God shakes you when you're gone. I love you. But this is all about, the, oh, I hope God shakes your kids too when you come back. Thanks, honey. That's my wife. (laughs) They have to pick up their kids. Honey, don't go tackle anybody. No. We. I I just. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? Is there angel or something? Okay. (laughs) Look. When I got saved, I I came out of such horrible stuff. I mean, horrible, horrible stuff. And for years. People told me, they said, you know, you, you, you're lucky. This is the way you came in. I grew up in church. And people would use like the reality of how they grew up in contrast to the reality of what happened in my life. They would say, you came in this way. I have a lot to unlearn. Your mind's not built to unlearn. Your mind is built to be renewed. You, you can't unlearn anything. So don't try. The more you focus on unlearning, the more you realize you just didn't unlearn anything. No, I don't. If you were raised in church, praise God. When the Spirit comes, just ask God. Get alone with God and ask Him to breathe on what you have. He'll go, all of a sudden, truth will rise up in you. Because Scripture isn't like, Scripture isn't really released until God breathes on it anyway. But He wants you to. He wants you to know that He sees you. He wants you to know Him. When I got saved, I believed. I believe, I mean, it sounds crazy, but I just believed that God forgave everything. Everything that I would ever done. He, he forgave everything, and that He would never bring it up again. I believed that. Um, it sounds crazy, I know to a lot of people it sounds like blasphemy because we've been caught contrary to the Bible. But the Bible says that this is the covenant I will make with them in that day. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. That means that if God doesn't remember it, there's somebody else that does. The devil remembers everything that you wish you'd never done. This is so crazy. When I got saved, God cleansed my conscience from dead works. Like, to, the Jew, to the Jew that doesn't believe in the Messiah, the blood of Jesus doesn't mean anything to them. The blood of bulls and goats doesn't cleanse the conscience from dead works. The blood of bulls and goats, uh, and the ashes of a heifer, and the sprinkling of the unclean, that service that went behind the veil, when they went down and they sprinkled blood, it was the Day of Atonement. All it did was cover over and atone over people. And to a lot of Christians, the blood of Jesus doesn't mean any more than the blood of bulls and goats. This is called the simplicity of the gospel. I shared it last night at at Red Rocks, just a little bit. I said in 2 Corinthians 11, he said, all that you'd bear with me in a little foolishness, and indeed you do bear with me. For I betrothed you to one husband, and I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. It says that he burned with a godly jealousy, a godly jealousy, a burning jealousy that we might know God, a burning jealousy, a godly jealousy. It says, I've betrothed you. I've set you up with one husband. That I may present you as a chaste virgin. Can I have someone come and play the keys, please? Thank you, bro. That I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. It's okay if they cry. I have babies. It's okay. It's okay. I love babies. Then I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. What does that mean? I have betrothed you. I've set you up with God. I've set you up with one husband. These are born-again people, people that are saved, people that have said yes to Jesus, that you have been betrothed, you have been set up to one husband, that you might be a chaste virgin, one that's mind has never been with the world before, one that's mind has been washed by blood, sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and dead works. That's what he did. Jesus paid the price to not just atone for sin on the outside. He paid a price to cleanse you on the inside. The blood of Jesus doesn't go on the top. It goes through and through. He cleanses your conscience from dead works, and he gives you a brand new heart, a heart to know him. And God wants you to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and know him. He doesn't want you to hold on to yesterday and live in regret, guilt, and shame. That is demonic strategy set up to get you to live in who you were instead of who you are. What could cause a man like Peter that denied Jesus, what could cause him to be okay? I mean, he denied Jesus. I mean, Peter is not with Jesus and, and, and the disciples, and they say, Jesus is like who do people say I am and they're like well some people say this and some people say that and a lot of people are saying a lot of things Lord I mean really yeah but who do you say I am Peter's like you're the Christ son of God Jesus is like whoa Peter you didn't get that one yourself no way no way because that can only come from God only only comes from God and I tell you this upon this you upon this rock not Peter the rock the rock is the revelation of Christ the rock upon this rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it and that's not just a building he's saying that the revelation of Christ is what I'm going to build my church in this is what I'm going to build my church this this is not just a building. We are the church. Each individual. All of you, you and I, we're living stones. Amen. Listen to this. You are a living stone. And upon this rock, who's the rock? Right here. What is it? A living stone. What does it mean? What does it mean, to a living, uh, living stone? That we would all play our part, but we first have to know whose temple we are. We have to know whose we are. We have to know who's in us and whose we are. Christ in us is the hope of glory. If your heart's, if your heart's sick, it's because your hope's been deferred. It's because you don't see your creative value, and you don't see who God created you to be. This is why sexual immorality and pornography and drugs and alcohol and all this stuff. I mean, you're in a state that says marijuana is legal, yet the Bible says be sober For your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking whom he can devour. And there's a lot of people that are inside the church that have compromised their faith for the sake of keeping their conscience dulled and dreary. It's twisted. It's not okay to get high and say, I love Jesus. It's only because you don't know the Most High. That's the reason why. It's not okay. This is not legalism. All things are permissible. In your state, weed is legal. All things are permissible, but not beneficial. What makes you any different than the world if you're sitting there partying telling someone about Jesus? There is no difference. It's because you don't see your value and you don't understand who Jesus is. You don't see the price that he paid for you, because if you do, you wouldn't sell so cheap. Judas sold out Jesus for 30 shekels man 30 pieces of silver I mean how much are you willing to sell him out for what's your price what's your price is it your girlfriend is it fame is it glory for you is it praise of man is it money God forbid you were purchased not with silver or gold but with the precious blood of Jesus man it's powerful Jesus paid such a high price because you were worth it. He allowed his beard to be ripped out. He allowed his flesh to be ripped apart because he knew by going after everything, then hanging on that tree, the devil thought he won, but he lost big time, big time. He had no idea there'd be a resurrection. He killed innocent blood. Jesus came to die. He didn't come to live. He came to die so that you might live. Man. If we see this thing, you won't need this stuff to make you okay. You will have this that keeps you okay. You won't need this stuff. You won't need the lust of the flesh to keep you okay. Because that's not it. That's not the answer. I'm not being mean. I'm just preaching the gospel, man. It's just the truth that set me free. I was so wrong. I was so twisted. I hurt so many people. I manipulated everybody. I have this burning inside of me to see the bride. Understand that in Revelation 19, it says that Jesus, Jesus saw his bride. And it says that the bride had made herself ready. (laughs) (laughs) That the bride Made her so ready, so powerful. He's so amazing, he's so loving, and he's so patient. He's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. I'm like, I tremble all the time, especially when I get a microphone, because I'm responsible for every one of your ears, all of you that hear. You know, God, it's crazy. He's He's given favor, and I, I'm so thankful for it. It humbles me. I spend a lot of times on my face, man, because this is not a little thing. It says this. It says that to he who has given much, much is required. My job is to make you accountable. (laughs) We come to conferences and we come to schools and we're like, yeah, we want to learn about this stuff. What you don't understand is you're making yourself way more accountable than you were before. It says teachers and pastors. It says this. It says, man, let not many of you be teachers. For you will be, look, listen to this world. You will be judged way more strictly than the world. Wow. God forbid I teach people that it's okay to like, that sin is okay and that grace. God forgives us. Hey, let's get over it. We're always going to sin. Wow. That would be horrible. That's taking great. To me, that's actually rubbing Jesus' face in the mud and saying, look at my king. That's not Jesus. Grace empowers you to walk out what truth calls you to. The Spirit of truth has come, and He's on the earth. He can fix us. See, see, Jesus is with Peter, and He tells him, upon this rock I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you know Simon's like, yeah, I got it. You guys didn't, nah, 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 nah. You know it, because they're like, who's first, who's last, come on, hey, come on, I'm first. Who's going to sit on your right and left? They were orphans. They had no idea who they were. And they were fighting for power. They were trying to get the pulpit. And man, we're not orphans. Jesus said, oh, I've got to go. I mean, I really got to go. If I don't go, he won't come. It's going to be better for you to I go, because the presence of me that hangs with you is going to be far surpassed by the presence of me that's going to dwell in you i will not leave you as orphans i will come that's what he promised so he had to go but right there peter you know he's like jesus says you know what pretty soon i'm gonna be delivered up in this into sinners they're gonna kill me and peter's like no this would never all of us would have done it i mean jesus is the best thing that ever happened to him ever i mean peter's in the boat first time he meets jesus he fished all night he's a fisherman like, that's his livelihood. That's all he's done. Like, probably since he was a little kid. He's a fisherman. And they couldn't catch anything. And nobody goes fishing in the day. They go in nighttime so they can catch fish. Jesus is like, let's go out. He's like, dude. Jesus is like, come on. Just go. Alright. Great. Throw your net out. Couldn't even lift it up. I had to call for other boats for help. The nets were breaking. Crazy, ridiculous time. Peter's surrounded by fish in the boat. Wow, this is amazing. This is what I live for. Oh my gosh. Wow, this is the best day ever. He looks at Jesus. Oh my God. Oh, away from me, Lord. I'm a simple man. What happened? God's goodness showed up. God's goodness. He led him to repentance. It's just like, oh. She's like, hey, leave all this and let's go. I'm out. <laughs> really? It's a crazy life. Crazy. So Jesus is about to be taken away. I mean, we're talking about like, they're like, they're saying about taxes and stuff. What do we do? He tells Peter, he goes, go, go pull a fish. First fish. There'll be a check. We'll go pay our taxes. Peter's like, huh, "Whoo! This has got to be a crazy life. So Jesus is there. He's saying, I'm going to die soon. And Peter says, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus says, get behind me Satan. I, I, I'm, this is amazing. You do not want to relate to this Peter. Do you understand? He called Peter the devil. He said, get behind me, Satan. Why? He said, your mind is full of the things of man and not the things of God. Get behind me, Satan. So when we say, hey, back off, I'm only human. You're saying, hey, get away from me, I'm only demonic. You are now justifying the mind of man, saying it's okay. You are not allowed to live as a mere man anymore. When you're born again, you live as a son you live as a daughter but you better know who the father is because the spirit of adoption will come and possess you and your heart will tremble at his word and that's what happened to Peter so now we've got Peter he's like oh and he denies Jesus denies Jesus denies Jesus what a terrible terrible time terrible and then when Peter's restored oh mm, boom the Holy Spirit was poured out what happened Jesus said when the Spirit comes it's going to convict the world of sin because they don't believe in me. It's going to convict the world of righteousness because I'm going to go to be with the Father. What happened? See, when Jesus was crucified on that cross, see, Jesus was the only one. It says that when he was baptized in the river Jordan, the Spirit came down when that, and the heavens were opened, and God said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Boom! And the Spirit rested upon Jesus and remained. And Jesus went out into the wilderness, led by the Spirit of God, out there tempted. Comes back out in the Holy Ghost and power, and went about doing good, healing everyone that was oppressed by the devil. Boom! It was craziness, nuts! So, and then Jesus said, "If I don't come, if I don't go, He won't come. I've got to go, so He comes." So Jesus pays this price. He hangs on Calvary. All of our sin everything he was tempted at all points it says that jesus who knew no sin became sin so that i might become the righteousness of god that's in christ jesus this is so powerful if i see what i've become righteousness bears its fruit unto holiness holiness is the byproduct of righteousness it's amazing it's it's beautiful it's lovely People preach this. This, there is no way that you can hear legalism in what I'm sharing. There's no way. Listen to this scripture right here. I already shared a little bit of there, Second Corinthians 5. We all love that. That's a great chapter. It's all the new creation. Are you with me? Am I doing all right? Mike, everything Sure. I don't know, like time-wise and stuff. It's okay. All right. If you guys get done before I do, I love you. I really I do. I just I love you. I only had like 30, 30 some minutes last night. I was like, oh, "Oh. I can do it." I mean, but it's really hard. Okay, so cuz scripture's amazing. I want to read this. I'm going to read from from the first verse in 2 Corinthians 5. Are you with me? Okay. I know. But you have a Bible? (laughs) It says, For we know that if this earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. And as much as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent we groan, being burdened, because we, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed, so that what is mortal can be swallowed up in life, by life. Now He who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge, or as a seal, or as a down payment. Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, in other words, we are not there. We're here. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by appearance. And prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. I mean, it's going to be amazing we, when we get to be with Jesus. It's going to be awesome. I mean, that's why Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, when I live, I'm going to live unto Christ. Everything, everything about my life is going to be Christ. Period. I'm going after this thing. This is what enabled Paul, who was the most brilliant of brilliant people, to say, you know what? I've learned a lot of stuff. I count it all to be thrown on the pile of poop for the sake of knowing Jesus. Oh, that I might know you more. I'm, that's a crazy, ridiculous, ridiculous time. It says, therefore, again in verse 6, always being of good courage and knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and be present or to be home with the Lord. Therefore we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. I want you to hear this scripture again. This is so crazy. It means that while we're here at home in our body, we want to live pleasing to the Lord. And then when we stand before Him, we want to be pleasing to the Lord. This is crazy. Like, uh, this is nuts to me. I I want you to hear this again. Are you ready? Listen, we good courage, we have good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord, and be home with the Lord. Therefore we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. This is why he's saying this. This is like crazy nutso. See, unbelievers and non-believers, every knee will bow. I mean, it doesn't matter what you believe, your knee is going to bow. You will either be forced to bow then or you will willingly bow here. It it doesn't matter what you think. You can be as prideful and as arrogant as you want, but one day you are going to bow and know that it was all about Jesus the whole way through. That it was as simple as that and we've become so smart and so technical and so brilliant we've become smarter than God. And it's just all about Jesus. The simplicity of this gospel. That we'd be married to Jesus. Ooh, I just love it. Look at this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Whoa. See, we don't even think about this stuff. See, he's saying that I want to live a life pleasing to you here, because when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I want to know already and have no terror, because I've lived a life of, of purity, I've lived a life of innocence here on this earth, and I boldly approach the throne of grace. And always were, I was always there before your throne because I believed that when the veil was torn, I could come right into your presence while I was on this earth. And I know that I'm right with you. And if I'm right with you, I can have boldness on the day of judgment because as he is, so am I in this world. And I lived a life of intimacy and relationship that I knew that I was okay because the righteous are bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when no one pursues them. God's not mad at us, but He really wants us to see the purity and the power of the gospel. He purifies you. He takes away your sin. Your sins and your lawless deeds He remembers no more. But if we don't see this, let's say we're wrapped up in something. God wants you to be free. I promise you. Because one day, it says this, it says one day we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There's two judgment seats. One's the great white throne judgment. That's a terrible day. A terrible day. It's where all people that didn't believe at all are going to be cast into an eternal separation from God. This isn't judgment. This is the Bible. It's real. It's really going to happen. And this other one's going to really happen too. These are for Christians. These are for born-again Christians, spirit-filled Christians. This is for us that would name ourselves the church. We are all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us can be repaid or recompensed for the deeds or the works that you did in your body. We don't even talk about this stuff because we're like, no, I'll just skip over that part because that's weird because I'm saved. No, we like to move to this, anybody be in Christ, behold he's a new creation, old things pass away, all things become new. But there's, this scripture's in there too. (laughs) Okay. So that one may be repaid for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good. Or bad therefore here it is therefore knowing the fear of the Lord yes. here's where it's at guys here's where it's at this is where all of your life is gonna hinge because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom but the fear of the Lord isn't being petrified of God the fear of the Lord is being in an awestruck love relationship with a good God that you know and that you know that he knows you see it says that one day people are gonna stand before him and they're going to knock on that door to get in and God's not letting them in it's in Matthew 7 and they're going to say didn't we prophesy didn't we heal the sick didn't we cast out devils did we do all these mighty works in your name come on we ate with you I mean you you taught in our streets and God's going to say away from me I never knew you there's a difference between you saying that you know God and knowing that you're known by Him there's a big difference You can be known by Him. Oh, what would you do if you woke up every morning right with God? What if you knew that your heart was pure and your hands were clean? What if you knew that there was nothing in your heart that you were condemned about because you lived with great conviction? And when something happened and you stepped in a place that you weren't supposed to, and the Holy Spirit convicted you, you immediately obeyed. Wow, wow, that's not me. Thank you, Jesus. I mean I'm going down the highway and I go a little fast over the speed limit. You can ask my wife, ask if they make fun of me because I actually go to the speed limit. They do. I'm in the world and not of it. I just think this way. You don't understand? I was the most horrible, horrible person. I didn't even know what right and wrong was. I was twisted as twisted could be. And then Jesus saved me. Huh? I mean. I mean, everybody remembers when they first got saved, and you threw something, and it hit the trash, and it missed it, and you're like, oh, you pick it up, and put it in, and you're like, "Wow," Right? When you first get saved, it's like, huh, do you know that still is in my life? Awesome. Why? Because first love isn't something that happens when we first get born again. First love, to me, is when you start to know about His love. See when we get saved, I mean, we find out that God loved us first. But first love, return to your first love is this, that you're right with God, that you can come boldly to the throne of grace, that you can live your life pure before Him. That the sooner you see that God sits in the theater room of your soul, and He sees everything that goes across your screen, everything. God's Word judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. He sees everything. Everything is naked to God. He sees it all. All of it. And I love it. He sits in my soul and He likes what He sees. I'm not kidding. Like, I, I have a revelation of righteousness. I'm not like, I'm not like above anybody. Philippians 2 says if anybody, like says you come up under people, consider others as greater than yourself. It's not about me trying to lord over people, no. I, I believe the gospel. You're not going to read about me in the paper. My lifetime subscription to issues was cancelled. The blood of Jesus cancelled. Return to sender. All of my issues. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. It says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men that we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciousness, or in your consciences. We are, we are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us, so that you will make an answer, so you have an answer for those who take a pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. We are of sound mind, it's for you. In other words, if I'm out of my mind. It's, it's just because, like, it's Him. But most of the time, I'm just in His mind, so I'm out of a lot of other people's. God has given us His mind. It says that we have been given the mind of Christ. The problem is that we're not nurturing the divine nature, and we're not going after these things, like, and realizing that this is who God's called us to be. He's called us to be a holy nation set apart. He's called us to be a royal priesthood. I mean, God's called us to be royalty and holy. You, know, Peter. This guy that messed up huge is the one that says, it's written, be holy as he is holy. Peter, that's the one you want to say, yeah, I liken myself to Peter. When I was, when I was... When I went to um, this is a powerful part of my life. I I just want to share it real quick with you and then we're gonna pray. You guys okay? Sorry for keeping you so long. I I just I love Jesus with all my heart and I've been able to live in a place of no guilt, no shame, no condemnation. I've been able to live that I've lived that way. I've woken up right with God for 13 years. Like I, I did. But when I And when I, when I, I'm just going to share this little part. When I came, when I went to Teen Challenge, I, I, got shot at. Some guy unloaded a 9 millimeter at me. Five and a half months earlier I had incorporated Jesus in. I didn't surrender. I just talked to a pastor, a guy named Dan Moeller, um, amazing man of God. Where I didn't surrender, I just said, whatever, if he wants my life he can have. And I, and I, uh, to appease my girlfriend to try to get her to come home because she left me. She took my daughter away. I told her if she did, I'd kill myself. I was on my way to a gun cabinet to blow my brains out. I opened a phone book. and opened a churches. I made a check at one of these 586 churches in my hometown. And it was so crazy. Like, I met Dan. I went in there. I meet this happy guy, full of love, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? He's like, it's not what's wrong, it's what's been made right. And I'm like, oh. I was so angry. I mean, I don't know Jesus. I don't know that Jesus is in a church. I have no idea. No one shared the gospel with me. Do you know that unless righteousness hits your heart, you won't be able to be bold for Jesus. You won't. You won't be able to share your faith. You'll be fearful. You'll have a spirit of fear on your life. And that spirit of fear is cast out with the power and love and a sound mind. That's the spirit of adoption that God gives us. Not a spirit of bondage, again, to return to slavery. No! That's not it. Jesus snaps that yoke off of you. And then you start to learn from him, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And you learn from him, and you maintain rest for your soul, your mind, your will and emotions. And you finally have peace! And it surpasses your ability to understand it. You have to be given, you give up your right to understand to have the peace that Jesus gives you. you. You have to believe. You have to believe that what Jesus did is enough. So here I am, as lost as could be. This guy tells me about Jesus. I incorporate Jesus in. I don't fully surrender. I'm still living in sin, I'm still living a horrible life, and I'm a singer in a band and I'm like, real loud singer, hard rock band, I'm the front man, like people are banging into each other, yeah, I love it. And And here I am, Jesus comes into my life, like, I didn't know, but like, he didn't just want like one room. I didn't know that, like, he actually wanted the whole house. He wanted everything. But I didn't understand that. And I couldn't read, so it was really hard for me to understand it. So I was trying to write on someone else's faith. You can't write on your pastor's faith. You can't write on your mom's faith. You can't write on your dad's faith. You have to have your own faith with Jesus. You have to have your own belief, the understanding of what right standing means. It's crazy. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's lovely. It's holy. It's pure. It's sincere. It's what puts a godly jealousy inside of you. Oh, that the whole world might know you. It's what makes you burn to, to represent Jesus everywhere you go. It's what makes your heart burn that, oh, I've got to get the gospel to that person. If they die right now and don't know Jesus, they go to hell. I mean, that's not okay. It's not okay. Hell is real. Jesus talked about it more than anybody. That's why we live with a godly fear, persuading people, come on guys. We can do this. We can run. We can run. We can live pure. We can live as an example to the world. We can be a light in the midst of a perverse and corrupt generation. We shine as lights in this world. Come out from among them and be separate. That doesn't mean don't associate. That just means clean your heart, man. Purify your heart. Wash your hands. Be pure and holy and lovely. Live with Jesus full on in your life. Don't live with compromise. Don't live with compromise. But I didn't know. I didn't understand this stuff. So I went home that day, and I'm like, man, it was crazy. I I was going to shoot myself, instead I met Dan at a church. I was going to the gun cabinet, made a check at one of these 586 churches, drove to this church as angry as could be. Dan said, since you don't want your life, why don't you give it to somebody that does? And I couldn't get in my soul. I couldn't understand in my heart, why would someone want this? what good would this be to anybody all i've done is hurt people didn't you hear what i did to my girlfriend didn't you hear what i've done to my daughter didn't you hear what i've done to my family didn't you hear i've done nothing but steal kill and destroy and he says yeah but you don't understand what jesus did i didn't come here to hear about jesus was this the church i said i don't care jesus is dead And he shared. He's alive. I'm like, come on, man. And he shared the price that was paid. I said, you know what? Whatever, okay? Whatever. If he wants my life, he can have it. Whatever. There, I did it. You happy? (laughs) Serious. He's like, amen. I'm like, what is that? (laughs) He says, here's my number. You're going to need it. I said, no, I don't need your number, dude. I'm good. So I'm strong. I went home that day, and I called my daughter, I said, you need to tell mommy that daddy found God. She's like, what's he like, dad? I said, I have no idea, but I met this guy today, and he knows this God, and you got to meet him. She goes, oh, daddy, mommy's never coming home. I said, well, you kick and scream and do whatever you got to do, get mommy to come home. And she did, and mom came home, and boy, was she mad, because she's not a Christian. She said, now you're going to be a hypocrite. No, no, no. Everything's going to change. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. It's going to be amazing. She's like, get out of my face. I hate you. You're a liar, and you're a loser. All you've done is hurt everyone, and now you're going to bring this God into this and hurt people even more. No, no, no. Everything's going to change. And man, that first night, put my daughter to bed, I'm out on a coke bench. First night. God didn't say, go make confessing Christians. He said, make disciples. Man, second night, oh my gosh, come over, I'm like, dudes. My band practice in my basement, man. This rock band. I've been three years in a rock band. We have amazing songs. We're like, we're killing it in the rock scene. We're going to get signed. That's the goal of every rock band. And that's what we're doing. We have our CDs out there. We have bands that are friends of ours, like Seven Dust, and different bands that are pushing our CDs. And it's like crazy. It's going to happen. I just, it's so crazy. Even in the world, I'm like, this is just the wrong kind of faith. And man, I told the guys, I said, guys, guess what? They're like, what? I go, I found Jesus, bro. They're like, what? I'm like, I'm serious, man. I found Jesus. Shut up, man. Dude, don't even talk like that. I mean, no, it was so offensive. I mean, it wasn't offensive to me because I had a seed inside. So it wasn't offensive. There was a seed. It just was not grown. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's amazing. You've got to meet this pastor. Dude, shut up, man. They hand me a big joint. I'm like, I'm telling you, man. Jesus is amazing. <laughs> and I'm getting stoned with him. I really am. I'm, I'm like as high as ever. Tell him about Jesus. And finally at the end of the night, three of the guys bailed. They're like, later, dude, we're out. So they took their instruments. They left. And my best friend, he stayed. He's like, he's just this stay-at-home dad, like virtuoso, guitar player. Amazing. I'm talking amazing. And he's going to stay. But he doesn't believe in Jesus, man. He's just a real good guy. He doesn't have a need for Jesus because he's not, he doesn't steal, he doesn't lie. He's a good dad. He believes in ghosts. He believes in the paranormal. He believes in all that stuff. He believes in supernatural. He believes in like when it comes to like witches and UFOs and all that stuff. That's his form of supernatural. He believes in all that. So he's like, he's willing to stay because he believes in me. It's about what you can do. you got to find the strength from within. You have to find your path. you found your path. That's great. I've got mine. You've got yours. I've got mine. That's the kind of guy he is. I'm like, no way, dude. Let's roll another one. So we smoke another joint. First night. Serious. I leave him like, man, thanks for not leaving. He goes, you're my only friend. Thanks, man. I love you, bro. Okay. So we get together. Like, a couple days later. I've already been out on a couple of other binges at night. He hears me upstairs, punch a hole in the door. I come downstairs. On the back steps, I wiped the blood off my hand. I just screamed at my girlfriend the top of my lungs. I come downstairs. He's in my basement. We live in a trailer. It's not hard to hear what's going on upstairs. I said, hey man, Jesus loves you, bro. He says, come on, man. Y- y- you should probably chill out on the whole Jesus thing. Like, come on, it- it's okay. You don't have to talk like that. I'm your friend. I'm like, no, man, he's real, man. You're going to come meet this guy, dude. He's for real. And we smoked the joint. Got real high same stuff see I'm not talking about something that I didn't live I lived this thing I lived it and I was condemned and I hated this but I didn't know how to fix it it was like that Romans 7 thing even though I wanted to do right I didn't it's crazy I am still like Satan loves to keep you under that yoke of bondage under the law and instead you see righteousness you're under the law and that's where I'm at and I'm like I can't get free so five and a half months go by I am falling all the time constant still hooked on porn still have my secret little lie life I'm still lying to my girlfriend I'm still out on binges I'm still getting high I'm still getting drunk and I'm going to church on Sunday and I'm singing real loud oh praise the Lord and I was saying I'm sorry to God for all the stuff I was doing because I knew I was going to do it again as soon as I left the church and I was messed up five and a half months into this thing I go out that night my girlfriend and my daughter follow me out in town. I don't see them. I'm at the payphone. I'm calling my dealer to try to get some more drugs. I am hooked. I'm in cocaine. It's an epidemic. But that's just the, that's everything else. I call my guy. He doesn't answer the phone. I turn around, and there's my daughter. Daddy, you promised you'd never do it again. And I said, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. She says, get in the car, Daddy, right now. And my girlfriend says, get in the car. You're such a liar. I hate you. And it was. I mean I earned it I'm not faulting anybody I was messed up I got in the car and I pulled out and for a second I thought I'm going home I'm down. I don't want to do this and then Ugh! I lost him and I went down the streets and I picked up some dealer and I get him in my car kid from New York City we lived in York Pennsylvania have him in my car he gets the drugs out I have two eight balls in my hand a large amount of cocaine I tell him you have the right to remain silent anything you say cannot will be used against you in a court of law You have a right to an attorney. If you can't afford one, we will be appointed. I've read him his rights. I've been read mine a lot. (laughs) I'm telling you the end of a testimony. My life was horrific. This is like crazy ending. I got him in my car. I pull around the corner. I said, get out of the car and put your hands on the hood. Shut your mouth. He gets out of the car. I try to hit the gas get away. He pulls out a nine millimeter and unloads. And a voice fills my vehicle. This is what it says. I took those bullets for you. Are you ready to live for me yet? And I freaked out. I, I, I like freaked out. I thought I got shot. The blast went through my vehicle. I spun out of town. I get out there. I'm driving down, out into the country. I broke open those bags and I tried to smoke everything, all, two eight balls of crack cocaine that night, all night long. And every hit I took, that voice killed my buzz. All night long. Wouldn't let me get high. All night long. And it was from New York City. It was real. wasn't fake stuff. It was real. The taste was there, but no buzz was, it was gone. And that voice was terrorizing me. I'm talking terrorizing me. Because I didn't know what it was. But I couldn't get high. And I get home, and I got, my heart is pounding. I'm like, oh my gosh. I get out of the vehicle, and I shined a flashlight on my truck, and I had no bullets in my car from 10 feet away. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Oh my God. And I went to the door and I was afraid, because I knew that my girlfriend and my daughter were on the couch laying head to head, as always, because Daddy's out. And I I opened the door. Get out! Get out of my life! I hate you! Man, I just made the decision to leave, and my daughter's screaming, no, Daddy, no! And I I made the decision to go to Teen Challenge. it was crazy i i couldn't do this done so the next day i called my friend bobby i i said man i said I, I was out last night i said i ripped off a dealer and he unloaded a nine millimeter me man from like 10 feet away he goes are you in the hospital man i go no dude i said it was so crazy i said this guy shot at me i had him in my car and i'm telling him you know and then what happened and i tell him i said and he unloaded a nine millimeter he goes what happened i go man i heard this voice
0: he goes what did it say
2: i said He said, I took those bullets for you. Are you ready to live for me yet? I had no idea what it was. I said, but man, it was Jesus. He goes, Todd. He goes, you're hearing voices. And obviously that guy was a bad shot. You don't understand, Todd. What are you doing? You're losing your mind. I said, no. I'm telling you the truth. Dude, I'm going to a rehab. He goes, so good, man. You need help, bro. I said, I do. I'm going to get help. I'm going to get help. You're a good dad, man. You're there for your kids. I don't know how to be a dad, man. All I do is hurt mine. I'm tired of hurting people. I'm tired of hurting you." He goes, you're not hurting me. You're my friend. You're my only friend. You don't need to go away. I said, I got to go, dude. I said, I should be dead. He's like, he goes, man, he goes, well, at least you'll, at least you'll be better. I'll see you in a month. I said, no, this program is a year long. He goes, what? I said, it's 12 months. He goes, you're not going away for a year. I said, I am. I said, I, I got to know him, dude. I, I, know who? Jesus. You're going to go away to a program to learn about someone that's not real. You are so in trouble. I said, I am in trouble, man. But this pastor, he said, I don't care about a pastor. You're my only friend. Why would you do this? I said, because, man, I lost my girl, lost my daughter, I lost everything. I got to go. I said, can we hang out, man, maybe? He's like, no he couldn't get around, he couldn't, like, we couldn't hang him the next day. <clears throat> so a day and a half later, um, I, I leave. Lost my daughter. Lost my girl. Lost everything. I went up to Teen Challenge. Lost it all. I submitted to God. See the one step program is submission to God. It's not submit to God, then fight the devil. No, it's in your submission to God, you're submitting to what His Word says about you. You're submitting to the truth of what the Bible says about you. You're submitting to God saying, I will take the Bible and make this everything, and I will hold this above everything in my life, and this will be the priority. Learning and understanding who I am in Christ and who Christ is in me. I am submitting to your Lordship. Not just you being my Savior, but you are going to be my Master. And you become an instrument of righteousness. So I gave up. I went to Teen Challenge. I'm in there for three days, and this pastor calls me up there. I get called into the room. I'm three days into total surrender. I'm talking like total surrender. Gave up. Just gave up. Didn't quit life. Just gave up this life so that I could become who God said I am. Really. That's all he asked for. I mean, all he's asking you to do is give up something you were never created to be in the first place because you weren't created for you, you were created for Him. That's not a fair trade on his end. So I'm up there, and this pastor calls, and I, he gets call, I get called in the office. This guy goes, you need to, you need to come in here. It was the house parent, the guy that was, uh, was, it was just the, the counselor. He said, you need to come and sit down, listen to your pastor. I go, oh my gosh, like, what happened? I'm thinking, the drug dealers are at my house, they've hurt my girl and hurt my daughter. That's the first thing I thought, because I owed so many people money because of addiction. So many rips off. I ripped off so many people. The last one I ripped off should have killed me. I mean, I'm thinking they're at my house. I only live six miles from the city. Like not far. Someone could have followed my car. So I get on the phone. I'm going to go, tell me, tell me that my daughter's okay. Tell me that Jackie's okay. He said, Jackie and your daughter are okay. He said, Todd, it's not them. He said, it's Bobby. I said, what? He said, your guitar player, your friend. I said, what happened? He goes, he had a brain aneurysm. I go, what's that? He said, he's in a coma. I go, no. Not my only friend. No. I threw the phone down, and I ran upstairs in the prayer room, and I got on my knees, and I said, no, not Bobby, not my best friend, no, and peace, peace filled the room the first time ever I ever had peace in my life. I, it was like God was saying, you're not going anywhere. And I, I mean, I couldn't have helped Him if I left anyway. I mean, I was a mess, and I stayed in that program, and I, I stayed there, and I was there, and I dove into the Bible. I said, God, you have to, every morning I woke up an hour earlier than everybody else. You know, like this is where it's at. It's not when you go to church you open your Bible. You don't crack your Bible. When you get to church, you, you, you need to get alone with God. You need to find out who your Father is. You can't afford to. To not know him. You can't afford to just go through the motions and have a ministry. You can't afford to just move in gifting at the cost of your identity as a son. You, you can't afford to, and that's what I did, and I didn't know. And I'm like, oh God. And I stayed there, and I, every morning I woke up an hour earlier than everybody else. I'd open my Bible. I didn't know where to go. I just, God, you gotta show me. I don't want to go home and say you have to change my life. God, I need your help. Please help me. You gotta help me, God. This is who you say I am. And I can't even read. I don't understand. you got to help me. Please help me. Please, God. And he wants to help, and I know I don't have to beg him, but I don't know him, and I need to know him. And I'm like, oh God, help. And I saw a scripture in James that said, if I lack of wisdom, ask God. And I'm like, that's it. Oh my God, I don't have any wisdom. I'm clueless. I'm wisdomless. Help me. God, have mercy on me. And he just went, boop, and he had mercy. And, and the blood of Jesus just washed me, washed me clean from all the guilt and shame and all the regret and just cleansed me and washed me and told me I was His and He was mine and He'd never leave me nor forsake me and told me that I'm right with Him and the cross was the revelation of my value and underneath of that sin was a, a great price that he paid for underneath of that sin to redeem what was lost, and now that he redeemed what was lost, now that I'm found, I was blind, and now I see, and I was dead, and now I'm alive, and all of a sudden the gospel came alive. It was amazing, and, and condemnation, and guilt, and shame, and boom, and regret, all of it left, and I can't go back and fix that stuff anyway. I can't. And old things passed away, and all things become new, and oh my gosh, he's serious. If anybody be in Christ, he's a new creation. Huh, whoa this is amazing and I'm reading it I'm like ah the spirit of life and Christ Jesus and the adoption it's on me and my father and Abba and oh, I'm going crazy believing the truth and I'm being possessed and wow and then all of a sudden I have these three nights where I have encounters with Jesus in a valley and he tells me to go home and the third night I pack my stuff ten months early I called Dan I said I need you to come get me he said Todd is this God I said I met Jesus he said I'm on my way he comes up and picks me up ten months early. I quit everything before, and he took me to my house. First, we stopped at the church, and then we went to the house. I needed to see my little girl because I because I never was a dad to her, and I didn't know as a father and <laughs> I'm so excited that I got a kid and I'm a dad and I'm like it's so crazy because I got born again. this spirit of adoption hit me and and i got to talk to my daughter and tell her I'm sorry I am. And she comes running across the porch, and I'm holding her, you know. And she's looking at me. Daddy, I'm so glad you're home. And I said, Daddy can't stay here, honey. Daddy's sorry for all the stuff I did. Daddy, it's okay. What are you sorry for? Daddy's sorry for all the bad things I did. And she says, Daddy, you're home. It's okay. I'm like, it's not okay. And I'm not home. I can't live here. She goes, Daddy, this is your home. And she ducks into me, and I'm holding her, thinking, God, she's going to need so much healing to get free from all the stuff I've done. <laughs> And my girlfriend comes out of the house and I told her, I said, I'm so sorry, honey, and I'm sorry. I said, and what I, I really was, I wasn't just saying it, I really, really, repentance hit my heart and I was sincerely sorry. And I told her that and she says, I know when you went away, I gave my life to Jesus. And it was so ridiculous, it was so crazy. I'm like, oh my God, my first conviction is this, I cannot live here. I can't just live here. I can't just jump back in here and do this again. I can't. God made a covenant with me. He'll never break his covenant. God loves me. I can't just go and, and move back in and same old, same old. It can't happen. And she says, no, no, no. We would need to be married first. And I'm like, oh my God. I looked at Dan. I said, Dan, what's going on? He said, I was talking to your daughter and your girl when you've been gone. And I'm like, oh my God. This is crazy. This is like better than any dream could be. The gospel's better than any dream could be. And I said to him, I said, we need to plan this. He said, you're not planning anything. We'll do it on Sunday in between first and second service. And I thought, all right, amen. No one's going to come anyway. I ruined everything. And it's not about people. It's about my covenant with God. It's about her and I becoming one flesh. But right then on the porch. I'm so convicted. My whole house is full of pornography and twisted stuff. It's full of junk. And I'm so, my heart is pounding. See righteousness is already training my senses to discern between both good and evil. Pornography is evil. Drugs are evil. It is not okay. And so God is convicting my heart. Get inside the house and clean it now. He's not saying that because I'm going to use it if it's in there, it's going to tempt me. He's saying that because it doesn't have anything to do with me, nor me with it. So I go in the house, just me and Jesus, and a trash bag, and I go through, and I sweep the whole house clean of everything, and I go out the back door, that back door, with a bag full of trash, pornography, books, VHS's, all the stuff that I thought made me mad. man. And I take the drugs and the permit paraphernalia, the bongs, the bowls, all the junk, man. I mean, I got a trash bag. I take it out to the barrel and I smash it down with a sledgehammer and I douse it with gasoline. And I light that thing on fire. I did. I let it on fire. My heart was pounding. Why? Because righteousness trains your senses. See, the fear of the Lord comes. And what happens is God will tremble your heart when you're close to evil. It says sin crouches at the door. It's wanting to take you captive. It says, let go of the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let go of that stuff. That's what it says. It's amazing. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And he starts to tremble you when something's not right. Not because he's a legalist, because he's a lover and he won't allow anything else to have you in bondage. He wants you to be free from that stuff. And so I'm like, oh, and I burn this. And after the trash, after the fire went down, I worshiped Jesus up my path. And a couple of days later, my girl and I get married. It's my wife out there, the one that still cries because it's still surreal. Because it's surreal. But a couple of days later, or the next day actually, after we got married, I went up to see my best friend. So my best friend, Bobby, he, he was in a coma. He's, he's, he's in a, he's in a brethren home, like a. He's in, in an elderly home. He's on life support. You know, he was in the hospital, but they moved him to there because there's no, there's no hope for him. And I don't understand healing. I don't understand anything. Yet. I'll tell you what I do understand. I understand that when I walked into that room, I saw my friend. And when I walked in there, I took my little daughter, my seven and a half year old kid, and I my daughters crying because she knew Bobby, you know, he's a, my only friend. The only one that didn't turn his back on me when, when I incorporated Jesus in. And I, I said, I'm sorry to his wife, and she said, for what? I said, cousin, I didn't represent Jesus. She goes, Jesus? And she screamed at me, and she goes, look at my husband. You're going to tell me about Jesus? If Jesus was real, why? And she ah, she went into the corner, and I knelt down, and I held my friend's hand, and I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, bro. I held his hand, and he didn't blink at me, and he didn't squeeze my hand. He's in a coma. He's brain dead. And I said, man, Jesus is real. I'm sorry, man, he's real. He's real, man. you got to wake up, bro. He's real. I don't know about healing. I don't understand that. All I knew is that for about 30 seconds, my five and a half months of hypocrisy swelled through my brain. Hey man, Jesus is real. Hey man, God loves you. Hey man, this. I don't believe in Jesus. I believe in you. Hey man, teach his own. Hey man, you found your path. I've got mine. No, Jesus is real. Todd, don't you think that if he was real, maybe your life would be different? You're not different than anybody else. You're just like every other Christian. Listen, this is some kind of crutch. This is this. This is that. And you know what I didn't do? I didn't give him anything worth believing in. (laughs) And I'm holding his hand telling him I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you. woke up. I said, I love you, man. He's real. He didn't do nothing. My daughter and I were crying. We walked out of the room. We went down to our car. Daughter's sobbing the whole way home. I said, honey, I I love you. You don't ever have to live as a hypocrite in front of anybody. You you don't ever have to live that way. I could have gave him the reason for Jesus being real. I got home and helped my wife, and we cried, because Bobby was my only friend, he was my only friend. And the next day, his wife called me and said, Bobby died last night. (laughs) I got to see him before he died, but he wasn't awake, and it was really late, too late. (laughs) That thing marked me. These tears that in my eyes, and my heart, that's trembling, it's not because I'm guilty. It's because I'm convicted. <laughs> we live in this world, and we get to be an example to people. Who are you living for? Who's your master? How are you living? What do people think when they think about you? Because I'll tell you what, I lived as the biggest hypocrite on the planet, and I'm promising you that there's only one name under heaven that men should be saved and Bobby died saying I believe in you, I don't believe in Jesus and that doesn't get him eternal life that's a hard thing, then the next day his wife said Todd you were Bobby's only friend he would have wanted you to speak at his funeral <laughs> that's, that's the heaviest thing ever I told my wife, and we cried, she goes, what are you going to say? I go, oh, no. I stayed up all night with the Lord. I said, God, I don't even know what to say. He says, Todd, I want you to talk about what it means to be a friend. My friend. I'm like, God, I wasn't your friend. He said, you just didn't know that you were my friend. (laughs) He said, Bobby was your friend. But instead of laying your life down for him, he laid his life down, and he didn't know me. And I'm like, oh, my God and I thought about this the next day I go to this funeral home and my friend his shell was laying in that casket all of you have people in your life that are just like Bobby (laughs) and you can choose you can choose this day who you are going to serve you can serve in selfishness you can serve yourself you can keep living for you and not surrender it's okay you can live as a hypocrite You can. But I promise you this, hypocrisy and compromise sends more people to hell than anything else on the planet. Anything else. That's why Jesus rebuked hypocrisy. He said, cold or hot? Cold is better than warm. He says, Todd, I said, I don't understand, God, I was completely cold. He said, that's right. And when you had an encounter with me, you turned to burning hot. You've been on fire ever since. I said, well, people that are warm, at least they know you. He said, no, people that are warm are a damage to the world around them. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And not just power for miracles. You can't afford to think that your miracles and your healings and your prophecies and all those things are going to make you right with God. It's the blood of Jesus that makes you right with God. You need to know him. The solid foundation of God still stands. It says, "Let everybody that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity." That's what it says. That's what the Bible says. There's a place of being known by God rather than you saying that you know Him. You knowing that He knows you. That's it. So I shared the gospel at this funeral. I watched them little kids come up that casket, shake it. I watched Bree, his three and a half year old daughter, with mommy holding her, say, "Daddy, wake up." to look at those kids and tell them there's no other name under heaven. The men shall be saved. And your daddy died saying he believed in me. And I'm sorry, but my name isn't that name. The name is Jesus. And I had to tell those kids that their daddy is not in heaven. That's the hardest thing ever to say. Ever. I'm telling you, man, there is grace. There is grace for people. Look at me. If you've got hypocrisy in your life, and this is something that you just are done. You're fed up. You're finished. I want you to come up here. Come on. I want to pray with you right now. Come on. Jesus is going to wash you clean, girl. Amazing. Amazing. He's not mad at you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. Pride holds people in their seat. They say, well, I'm already good. I don't have to go up there and look like a fool. You already look like a fool. Pride comes before the fall. We don't need a fall. We need surrender. We need full on Jesus. We don't need junk in our closet. God's not mad at you. He just wants you to see your creative value. He wants you to see who you are. Jesus isn't mad at you. We don't need drugs. We don't need porn. We don't need that trash. That stuff is trash. We don't need it. Don't let that thing be your master. Man, pornography's not okay. We don't understand. We, th- we think, well, no one sees it. No, God sees everything. He knows it. And that thing's an idol. It is an idol. It's not okay. All of us, all of us are going to face the judgment seat, all of us. It would be greater if we could see the awareness of God's presence now and understand that He sees everything. And He's not mad at us. He sees everything. goes across our screen. That day at that funeral, I preached the gospel. And half the funeral home got born again. It is amazing. I, I never even knew that it was even the gospel. All I preached was about being a friend because you being a friend of God is the gospel. It really is. Because if you're His friend, you know. Nothing's hidden from you. He wants to reveal all things. Because we move from servants, and we move into sonship, we move into being friends. God loves you. So just put your hands on your heart. Can I get the whole worship team up here? Come on. Come on, Judah Dawkins. Do you know that song, Give Me Jesus? Can we do that cuz that's a really good song? Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. I just want to pray with all of y'all right now. There's some of you that are up here for the first time just saying yes to Jesus. I'm so I'm so happy for you. Like don't think that you don't need the church. If you got hurt somewhere at a church before and you backslid and now you're sliding home, please don't be afraid of pl- plugging back into the church. Look, they, Listen, I'm sorry that people hurt you, but you need family. You need community. You need people around you that are going to love you and take care of you and be there for you. You need to be able to share with one another. You need to be able to have family, okay? You guys understand? This is like a sober, I can feel the sobering presence of Jesus, man. He's rocked me to the core. He loves you guys so much. What's going to happen right now It's all of y'all that are coming up here, I'm going to ask God do the same thing He did in me. Do you know right now, i got to tell you this, my wife and I, we've been married for thirteen years, okay? Been together for twenty-two. Nine really bad ones. Thirteen amazing years in Christ. And we have our twenty-year-old who was that little seven and a half year old. You know that seven and a half year old has no memory of who her daddy was before the cross? None. It's completely wiped out. She has no memory. She's twenty. Because righteousness Cleanses your conscience, the blood of Jesus cleanses your conscience from dead works. Serve God. So that your stuff that you used to be doesn't exist anymore. He crushes it. He nails it to Calvary. So good. Gives you a pure heart. Gives you a new life. Old things have passed away. All things become new. If anybody be in Christ, he's a new creation. He ought not live for himself, but live for the one that gave himself. And that's what we're doing. It's just full on surrender. Amen? Amen? Amen. So we have a 20-year-old, an 11-year-old, a 6-year-old. All girls. (laughs) Amazing. I love my girls. (laughs) And we adopted a little boy. He was born addicted to heroin 15 months ago. Fully hooked on heroin coming out of the belly. and We redeemed him from his mother's womb. (laughs) And he became our baby. And I watched him shake and tremble and cry with this heroin addiction. I had to give him methadone, I hate drugs, I hate it. Drugs are such a lie, such a lie. When you know the presence of God, you don't need drugs. You know the Most High. He's amazing. Peace is something that no drug can give you. The peace that surpasses understanding is about to flood your hearts and your minds in Him. I want you to do this. Don't just come up here and say, I'm doing this. And then continue in sin and go back into a relationship with your girlfriend. I'm speaking from my heart right now. Don't just think it's okay to live with your girlfriend. To go and do things and tell your girl, hey, if you love me, you'll do it. No, that's not love at all. That's manipulation. That's maneuvering. That's a lie. If you love her, put a ring on her finger and marry her. Put a ring on her finger and marry her. People say, well, I don't want to fix what ain't broken. Oh, you're broken, bro. You're broken. You're dead in your sin. You don't need this. You stand before God and answer for your life. Get right. Get right now while it's daytime. Night is coming. Right now it's daytime. Let's run with Jesus, man. Clean your closet so that you know have no issues. No issues. Jesus is amazing. Your number one issue is be addicted to Jesus. You cannot overdose on Him. Ever. He's amazing. Repentance is awesome. God says that when you come to Him and you confess to Him. This is confession. God, this is messed up. This is not who you created me to be. The Bible says that He will cleanse you of all unrighteousness, which means that only righteousness remains. He cleanses you of all unrighteousness. Which means that when God looks at you, He sees right standing immediately. As soon as your heart sees it, God, that's wrong. God goes, not guilty. You ask the Holy Spirit to convict you. Bring conviction to God. See right now, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, but now He's about to convict you of righteousness. And when He convicts you of righteousness, things that are not okay, you won't just dive into them anymore. Not okay, you'll be like, no way. Whoa, you flee from youthful lusts. You flee from them like Joseph in Potiphar's house. She tries to seduce him. He says, How can I do that to my God? How can I do that to my master? And he ran out of that house. Oh, that's who we are. That's who we are, church. That's who we are, is the bride. This is called the bride making herself ready. This is just the beginning of a lifestyle of repentance. God loves you oh he's about to cleanse you and wash you clean he's about to bring freedom freedom then we're going to sing give me jesus give me jesus because that's what you're born to be addicted to forever and ever and ever just give me jesus oh god i have to have more yeah but you already have a lot i don't care i go away to meetings i tell my wife i'm coming back changed honey i'm coming back with more of him She goes, is that possible? I said, if it is, I'm getting it right now. I'm going after Jesus with everything I am. Why? Because I need to grow up into the full measure, and the stature of Christ. That's what the fivefold gift is used for. The equipping of the saints. You are called saints, not sinners. Right now, confession of sin, it bang. And then you're called a saint in the eyes of the Father. God sees you as a holy one, set apart. He puts the spirit of holiness in you. This is the narrow way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So, right now, we're all just kneeling before the Father. Woo! And he's a great dad, and he's not mad. He's so excited. Angels are like, Yeah, finally, I got something to work with. I promise you, oh my gosh, this is the beauty of holiness, it's the beauty of purity. It's Isaiah 6. Mm. He touched the coal To your lips. Boom. Oh no, I'm a man of unkeen lips. And he says, touches his lips. Boom. That coal was Jesus, man. Mm. That's what he's doing. So good. All right. Come on. Father, I thank you. I want everybody to pray with me, Lord God. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to live in compromise.
0: I want to fully
2: surrender to you. All that I am, God, I surrender all. God, all people that have watched my hypocrisy and have watched my compromise, I'm asking you to wipe this clean, God, that you forgive me and wash it clean. That the blood of Jesus would cleanse my conscience from dead works so that I could serve the living God. Right now, I believe that your blood is enough. Today, I surrender all, I surrender all, I surrender all, I surrender all. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now to come. Wash me, wash me clean.
1: Give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus.
2: Can have all this, this.
1: <laughs> give me Jesus. Jesus. It's easy to say.
2: your focus on Jesus right now, that this is what we need right here, right now. Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, <laughs> you cannot be my disciple. You can't have anything in me. He's saying, unless He's your sustenance, the very everything of your life, you can't, you can't do this. So God we're asking you, give us living bread. God we're thirsty. We're thirsty right now. Father we thank you in the name of Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. we thank you God we love you Holy Spirit I just welcome you God we welcome you we say more Lord God we just want more we are hungry for you God we are hungry God we hunger and thirst for righteousness God I'm asking you to train people up in right standing with you Father I thank you when people persecute us and say no it can't be that simple we say oh but it is it is God I thank you for the bride that makes herself ready God I thank you for the pure and spotless bride, the one that's cleansed from all unrighteousness the one that's blameless and spotless the one that's wrinkle free God I thank you that the church would just would grow up into you Father I thank you for the church God coming together the hands and feet coming together running together God I thank you for the purity of the gospel not legalism the purity of the power of Jesus That Holy Spirit, you're holy. God, you are holy. You said pursue peace and holiness, for without which no one will see the Lord. God, we're thanking you. We're asking you to mark us right now. Mark us God. Mark us Jesus. Bring that up, bro. Bring that up again. Give me Jesus. Come on.
1: Give me Jesus.
2: Give me Jesus. You can. Yeah, that's it. Come on. Bring it up. I want you to sing. I want you to let it go. Come on, let that go. Let's go. Come on. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus.
1: him in Jesus
2: make that your heart cry make that your heart cry make that your heart cry be Jesus. on somebody right now please such a good place oh i just love him he's such a he's such a sweet amazing master he's not mad at us if you just get touched with this every day of your life he keeps your heart just completely clean and it's not about your works it's not about you trying to do the right thing it's about you knowing that you're right with god that Jesus did the right thing so that you could become right with God. It's not about your doing to be. See what happened right now is that you just became. So when you become, all you're doing is just the byproduct of being. Then your doing is easy. Then you're just co-laboring with God. You're just in relationship with the Savior. The Holy Spirit wants to move through you and use you. This is where healthy, healthy Christianity is groomed from. Right here. See then when a miracle happens, that's not your identity. The miraculous is the byproduct of being a son and being a daughter. Then you don't need another miracle to like keep you going. The righteousness of God has kept you going. You're right with God. It's not about performance. Then you can stand before God on that day, and He can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then you can tremble here with the fear of God, man, and walk cautiously with God. Not on eggshells. Cautiously meaning there's a dove on your shoulder, and when there's a dove on your shoulder, you want to walk a certain way because you don't want the dove to fly away. Not that the Holy Spirit's going to leave you. Because God will never leave you nor forsake you. But we want to be conscious of Him every day. And see, when God spoke to Jesus that day and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, right now, right now, God speaks to you because of your faith in Jesus. And He says, this is my daughter that I'm well pleased. This is my son that I'm well pleased. This is my daughter that I'm well pleased. This is my son that I'm well pleased. It's not about your performance. It's about you. Believe in me. Let me cleanse you. Let me wash you. Let me strengthen you on your inner man. So now I want to pray right now. I want you to pray with me. I want you to say this. In the name of Jesus, give me a hunger for your word. Give me a hunger for the living word. Give me a hunger for the instruction manual on how this creation functions. Give me a hunger for your truth. I thank you, Father, that you will train me in all righteousness so that I can represent you well in the mighty name of Jesus. Now let's kick out some more sickness right now. Okay? Alright, so now put your hand on somebody. Oh, this is easy. So good. Come on, Jesus. Yay. So I want you to say this. In the mighty name of Jesus, name of Jesus I, command I command every disease to go right now. Go right now. In, Jesus name. In Jesus' name. Every disease. Every disease. You're, under You're under the curse. And Jesus became that curse. Because cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And Jesus hung on that tree. And Galatians 3.13 says that Jesus became cursed. Sickness is under the curse. So since we are not under the curse, sickness has to go. Right now. now. So in Jesus' name, name, all sickness, all all disease, all all deafness, all blood disorders,
1: disorders,
2: every every joint, every joint in the body fingers, wrists, shoulders, knees, ankles everything else that moves in us. Be healed. Diseases that came into our body through a lifestyle of sin. The fruit of sin. Disease. Hepatitis C. STDs. Track marks. Self-mutilation. Get out out. in Jesus' name. Because that's not who we are anymore. Because that's not who we are anymore. In the name of Jesus. Get out right now. Deaf Deaf ears. Who here has ear problems right now? Okay, I want you to hold your hand up. People around them. I want you to put your hand on their ear. It's so crazy. We've been seeing like we've been seeing deaf ears just great. It's just nuts. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. So on the count of 3, we're all going to yell pop at the same time. Well, on the count of 3. All of us together as the body of Christ, like everybody together, okay? And how many of you believe that ears will open? Yeah. One, two, three. Pa! Right now, if there's some breakthrough in your hearing, right now, I want you to wave your hand. I want you to put your hand up. Right there. One. Who else? If there's breakthrough. Was it a deaf ear? Did it open? (laughs) Did your ear open? (laughs) Yeah. So good. Come on, who else? Who else's ear just opened? Put your hand on their ear right now. In the name of Jesus. Ear open right now. In Jesus' name. Be loosed in Jesus' name. Right now. Open. Ringing in the ears. Stop. Right now. In Jesus' name. Right now. Be loosed, Be loosed in Jesus name. right now, right now. All, ringing cease. all ringing cease. I command you stop. I command you to stop. Jesus name Jesus. If ringing has ceased in your ears, I want you to shake your hands in the air so I can see what's going on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. If you had breakthrough in your ear, In one of your ears, I just want you to wave your hand at me. Come on. Yay, Jesus. Come on. Now I want you to do me a huge favor. I want you to check. I want everybody in here to stand up. Please. I want you to check your body from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. I want you to check for breakthrough. I know they prayed earlier. That counts too. If you've received a miracle in your body. I want you to check. If it was your back, check your back. Just check. If it was your knees, check your knees. Do something that was hard for you to do. Do it, do it, do it. Check. Wow, this is like a 12 hour meeting. Sorry guys. If it was your shoulder, if you had pain in your shoulder, shoot it up. Shoot it up. Shoot it up. Shoot it up. Ha. If it's gone, wave your hand in the air right now. Yay. Come on. Alright, now from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. If you've had breakthrough physically tonight, if you've been healed, I'm talking 100% right now. If you've been 100% healed of something in your body, wave both hands in your he- over your head right now. So good. Alright, I want you to put your hand on somebody right now again. Well, as we do this, is there anybody in here with a terminal disease, a terminal illness? Oh, a little one. Oh, bring her up here, please. Can you let that little one? She's coming up here. Okay. Hey. Stretch your hands out watch this little girl get healed. Do you hear me? Come here, you. Can I hug you? What's going on? She has cystic fibrosis. Oh, yay. Where's my wife at? Where's Jackie at? Jackie, I know you hear me. Hey. This little girl has been diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. Same thing that Lynn had. She needs healed. She needs new lungs right now. Yay. How many of you believe that Jesus can do this? You don't be scared, okay? We love you. What's your, what's your, what's your name? Taylor. 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 That's a beautiful name. Oh. Awesome. Her name's Taylor. So, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. I command you, cystic fibrosis, to loose your hand off this little girl right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, right now. Lungs, we command you be healed in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that you have a brand new pair of lungs for her right now. In Jesus' name, we command this to go now. Jesus, thank you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in the name of Jesus. I command this disease to go. We command, as the body of Christ, this disease to go right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you for doctors' confirmed reports. Let doctors be astounded at brand new lungs in this little baby. Thank you for Taylor. Thank you for wholeness in Jesus' name. Thank you for this one that you love so much. Jesus, thank you. Jesus thank you, more Lord, more, In Jesus name, brand new lungs, In Jesus name, In Jesus name, how can she tell, how can she tell, is there any way she can tell or does she have to get checked? What do you feel? Is your, is your chest warm? What do you feel right now? right now not at all okay all right we're believing God with you for brand new lungs okay because that's what Jesus does he gives us brand new stuff oh I give you another hug (laughs) oh wow 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 Father I thank you in the name of Jesus for everyone in here. God I ask you right now for complete wholeness. God I thank you, I thank you for marriages. I thank you for healthy, strong marriages. I thank you for covenants God. I thank you that you'd overwhelm married couples, husbands being overwhelmed with who they are in Christ. And wives being overwhelmed with who they are in Christ. God I thank you for healthy healthy households, God. I thank you for healthy families. Lord, I'm asking you to bless in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you to increase, increase your favor upon every person here. God, thank you that you'd bless people. I thank you for complete transformation. God, I thank you that people would leave here different than when they came in. God, I thank you for radical encounters with Jesus. Lord, I ask you to mark people as conduits for your glory, as conduits for your glory in the name of Jesus that Holy Spirit you would empower people to walk as conduits for your glory that your power would flow through them that they would crush hell everywhere they go that you Holy Spirit would overwhelm people God thank you for your goodness thank you for your mercy Jesus I ask you right now touch your people In Jesus' name. I want you to put your hand on somebody right beside you. I just want you to pray for each other right now. Jude, I want you to let it rip. I want you to let it rip. And I want people to joyously praise the Lord, man. Just let it rip, man.